Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. So if you would turn with me to uh, Exodus 33. And what I kind of want to do is um, I want to minister out a few things I heard this weekend, but but what the I don't think even the ministers who are ministering were realized how much what they were talking about was tied together. And um, as I was listening to them, the Lord was speaking. And then this morning as I was driving here, he was speaking to me other things, too. And um, it, it was it was quite intense. And so if we would. If you would turn with me to Exodus chapter um, 33, and this sets up the context. Um, here we are in Exodus, and, and Moses has led the people of God out of Egypt, out of slavery. Which, which guys, that's, that's intense. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll just wrap myself out. You guys, you're the ones that should hold me accountable. The leadership already knows part of this, but the word of the Lord for me um, was to move forward. Uh, it doesn't matter if you hear an army behind you and see a sea in front of you, move forward. Right? That, that's the story we see of Moses, right? That's what he, that word is alluding to. It's the same prophecy six months apart, right? And I guess I haven't been moving forward yet still. So we're going to move forward. Or I am. You guys come along, right? Um, we'll, we'll all move forward. And what Moses, he's standing in front of the Red Sea. And the, the sea parts, they cross on dry ground. And, and then the, the, the sea just swallows up the Egyptians. Just swallows up that army. And what a miracle. What a miracle. Like, and that the Lord, that's his desire for us, is just to do the impossible. And they get out into the wilderness, and as they're there, Moses, who's leading these people, he begins to have these encounters with God. And in, Mo, in uh, Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, it says this. It says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it, the tent of meeting, or some of your Bibles might say the tabernacle. It says, and everyone who sought the Lord will go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. When, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he'd gone into the tent. And, and so I want to stop here because I used to read this and think they did it because some sort of formal thing that they were supposed to do, which maybe it was. But I'm more inclined to believe that it was kind of incredible what they were about to see and they knew it. Like they were about to see something intense and they were like, hey, Moses is headed towards the tabernacle. Come, come here. Come here and see this. And all the people would go out to the front of their tent and watch Moses as he would walk out to the tent why because this is what happened when moses entered the tent the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the lord would speak with moses 
And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent. And all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Each at his tent door. This is, in, this is crazy. This is just crazy. Like these things don't happen. I think if, if I knew I were about to, like, they got to where they knew it was going to happen. And so, like, let's, let's go watch this thing. And this is the part I want to focus in on, though, is not the amazing miracle of the manifestation of the cloud, but in verse 11, it says, Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. If you have a highlighter day, you should highlight that right there, that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. There's only two people in the Old Testament that the Lord calls friend, and that's Moses and Abraham. Flip over to chapter 34. And in verse 29, what's happened is, is now Moses has gone up the mountain, Mount Sinai, to meet with the Lord. This is intense to me, too, because the scripture says no one can see God and live. So I don't understand what's going on here. I, do you think scripture contradicts itself? No. Absolutely not. I, I have to believe that whatever Moses was seeing it was the face of God, but man, I, God must have been holding back just a little because it would just killed the guy. I don't know. You can leave that one to the theologians too. And verse 29 says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand, um, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Y'all, his face was shining because he'd been talking to God. Yeah, I said it, y'all, Ruby. There it is. She's like, you've been saying y'all a lot. I was like, no, I haven't. Yeah, I have. It's biblical. There's no, there's no plural you in English. There is in the Bible, though, right? Am I right? I'm right. All right. I'm, I'm not right. I learned that from somebody else, so... Asking a Greek scholar here. It says, Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, like they were scared to go close to him, and he's like, No, come here. That's intense. And Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them and afterward all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken uh, all the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai and when Moses had finished speaking with them he put a veil over his face why did he put a veil over his face because he was freaking people out they were scared because his face was shining because he was talking to God face to face the way a man talks to his friend. Wouldn't it be so cool if the Lord could be your friend? 
Wouldn't that be neat? I've got really good news for you this morning. The Lord wants to be your friend. The Lord wants to be your friend this morning. And some of you just need, like, we preach a lot of things here, but some of you just need to be reminded of something really simple this morning, that Jesus Christ, who is Savior and Lord, that this God of the universe, full of his majesty and glory and his power, his might, that is so powerful, if you looked at him, it would kill you. Like, like that God, the God of revelation, like, he wants to be your friend. And some of us have forgotten that the king of the universe just wants to be our friend. Like some of us are so good at honoring him as a king and as a lord. And somewhere in the process of honoring him as king and of lord and and laying our lives down for him and sacrificing for him because he is God and he is king. And and those are admirable things. Don't get me wrong. We we need to remember and respect him and, and fear him as the king and lord that he is of our lives. But in the process, we've forgotten that this king and this lord also desires to be our friend. He desires that intimacy. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it talks about Abraham. This is one of those places that says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called, what? A friend of God. Like, Part of being God's friend is believing what he says is true. You know what we call that? We call that trust. We call that faith. Like, God, I believe you. you. You know why? You know why I like being friends with Wes? Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a good looking dude, right? He's a handsome guy. Yeah. I like being friends with Wes because when he says something to me I know it's true like if someone lies to you a lot after a while you learn you know they say things but they don't mean them and what does that do to the relationship it breaks trust it breaks relations and you distance yourself from them because you're like Ugh. they say things a lot and what I'm finding is they're their words and their lives or what they're saying and what they're doing don't match up or man they'll promise me something and and they don't follow through or they'll say hey come over and I'll take you out to eat and then you show up and they make you buy <laughs> who would do something like that Wes <laughs> there's a story there it was pastor Drew I'm just confession is good for the soul right um our words and our actions match. And here's the thing about our God is he's the most faithful friend there could ever be. Like the longer you walk with him, the more you realize that his words are true. His promises are yes and amen. Let it be like he is faithful to perform his word. 
and we can trust him fully. Which, what does that mean? That means he is the greatest friend we could ever have. And we believe him. That's what happened to Abraham. That's, that's the point. Like Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, so he's a friend of God because he can trust the words of God. And that's us this morning. If we can sit in a posture of a place we say, Lord, I, I trust that your word is true. And can I tell you, in, in a dark moment, when you're going through the roughest part of life, there's nothing greater than having a friend you can lean on. Like when you go through this hard, hard times that you can pick up that phone and you can call somebody and, and you just know it's just going to be better just the fact that they exist and they're in your life. And what the Lord is, is he's that even greater friend. Than, than, greater than any human friend that we could ever have. You can turn me to John 15. We like John 15 around here. We, we tend to hit it a lot. I had this thought, I'm not sure how this applies to this yet, but we're just going to run with it for a second. Just go with me. You remember Queen Esther? And she was going in before the king. And she was, she was afraid to enter the king's presence. Because if you go into the king's presence uninvited, um, and he didn't like it, right? The story goes, girls, that you could be killed. Right? And even though Esther was the queen, she still didn't have the authority just to walk into the presence of the king. And, and her uncle reminded her, he said, who knows that you have been brought into this position for this time. He said, for such a time as this. Like, this is the whole reason you're here. And so she gathers up the courage and the guts to walk into the presence of the king. Knowing that it might, because she came uninvited, knowing that it might be her demise. But we all know the story, right? And if you don't, you can probably guess what happens. She's... She's extended grace, right? He invites her into her pre his presence, right? And, and here's my thought. How many know, like, God gave Esther favor in that moment? To walk into the king's presence uninvited. Okay, shift. Matthew 7, it talks about us who are earthly fathers and we're evil. And we know how to be good to our kids. How much more does our Heavenly Father? Now think about this. If God can move in the heart of a pagan king to allow Esther to come into his presence and get grace, even though she wasn't invited, how much more for you in his presence? Like, he's the good king. He's not just some sort of pagan king with weird rules, like, if you come into my presence uninvited, you're dead. Like, here's the reality. Like, none of us deserve to enter into the presence of the Lord. 
none of us. I think it's, what I'm actually thinking of is probably, I think it's Hebrews chapter 4. Yeah, verse 16. Uh, let's go, verse 14. I know I said John 15. We'll get back there. Remember, I said I was tired. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You, you know what's the greatest thing about some of my friends is they can, they can sympathize with me. They get it. You ever been going through something and have a friend that they're trying to sort of sympathize with you, but they don't really get it because they haven't, that they're trying their best, but they don't really get it because they haven't been where you are. And this is saying that Jesus, like he can sympathize with our weakness. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason God became a man. When God became a man, he didn't get some sort of special God privilege when temptation came. Like, oh wait, I'm God. That's not tempting. He didn't have like a God shield about him. No, he was fully God, but guess what? He was fully man. And so our friend, Jesus, who's also our high priest, he can fully sympathize with us in our weakness. Every temptation you ever had, he's had, and, and he did it without sin. What an awesome friend. What an awesome example to us. You know what that means for us? that we can also resist temptation without sin. It's possible. You know how I know? It's because there's things I've been tempted with that I've seen other brothers in Christ be tempted with, and they walk through it without sin. And if they can do it, man, I can do it. But then it says this in verse 16, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We can be confident walking into the presence of the king because he is our friend. You were the friend of God this morning. Well, most of you. I say that because the scripture also tells us That if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. This is true. This is something that Pastor Jamie was preaching on yesterday morning. She was preaching on let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. It says that in scripture. It's on the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about that. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. And here's the point she was making. When you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. When you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. That's the point that Jesus is making to John in Revelation. He said, look, you've got to be hot or cold. Jesus said, you, you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. And I believe it's in James where it talks about this. To be a friend of the world is, is to be an enemy of God. You, you can't do both. You have to make the decision. Like, I want to be a friend of God. And that's 
what we see in John chapter 15. We'll start in verse 12. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Why is Jesus saying this? What's he about to do? He's about to die a bloody death on the cross. He's about to die for the sins of mankind, not just the sins of mankind. Can I tell you, he die, he's going to die for your sins. That's what he's about to go do, is to die just for you. Why? Because you're his friend. You are my friend's. If you do what I command, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Like, here's the thing. Jesus is like, look, I'm not keeping any secrets anymore. Like, this isn't just a master-servant relationship anymore. I'm not just here to boss you around all the time. What I'm trying to do is tell you exactly what the Father is up to because you're my friend. This morning, you are the friend of God if you're walking with Him. And some of you just need to remember that. I feel like is like, like we need to remember that the Creator of the universe desires friendship with us. And I'll say it again, yes, there's a, a place for the reverential fear for the Lord, and that's another sermon for another time. The thing I want to hit home for you this morning is, like when you're sitting in your abide time in the morning, you're not just talking to your master, but you're talking to your friend who cares deeply about everything about you. He knows the number of hairs you have on your head. None of you know that about me. I thought you guys were my friend. He knows things about you that no one else knows. What is that but friendship? He knows your struggles, and yet he continues to show you new mercies every morning. What is that but friendship? He knows those dark thoughts that you have, and yet he pours out his love on you day after day after day. What is that but friendship? And when we do wrong, when we do wrong, he gives us his grace out of kindness, out of kindness, because we know that it's the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. It brings us to a change of mind and he does this for us over and over and over again he is the friend that does not give up on us he does not quit he is the friend that sticks closer sticks closer than a brother i love it and also in revelation chapter 3 he said, Jesus is saying, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Chloe, Jesus is knocking. 
says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You know who you usually eat with? Your friends. Can I tell you this morning that, that your friend is knocking at the door? Your alarm goes off in the morning. You set it a little early so you can spend time with the Lord, but, but man, that bed feels so good, doesn't it? And you're like, I know I should get up and sit with the Lord, but I could just sleep for another 30, 40 minutes, and boy, wouldn't that be nice. And I'll tell you, it would be nice. But I can also tell you what's happening in that moment, too, is your friend, he's knocking at the door. Not because, not because he's like, I want to make you feel guilty about sleeping and no because he knows if you spend time with him that your life can be changed like do you realize that if you just spend that time with your friend and and sit down and and eat with him and he with you like and it, it's do you realize it's a two-way conversation like like you know what happens when you eat with one another is we're sitting there eating we this happens so much in our d groups is as one guy takes a bite and the other guy starts talking and after a while that guy gets done talking and takes a bite and someone else starts talking that's what it's what it means to eat together and when you sit with the lord in the morning it's just not it's just not you talking the whole time like i, I love i love what dylan did this morning um, just that minute of just silence just sitting and listening, Lord, just speak to my heart because you're my friend. I remember when I was in college um, going to Bible school, one thing they, they had us do as a, a spiritual discipline, they had us go and practice silence and solitude for one hour. I was 18 years old, longest hour of my life. I had to get all by myself, no phone, no internet, no nothing, not even a Bible. Not even a piece of paper and a pen. They said, just get alone with nothing and sit in silence and solitude and listen for the Lord. Well, I have to bring a pen and paper for what if the Lord speaks something to me? Then you better remember it an hour later. If it's that important, right? And I sat there and... And my heart shifted. I realized that my prayer time was missing something vital. Do we all know the friend that won't stop talking? None of you. I have a coworker that talks quite a bit, and, and they know it. They admit it. And when you get done talking, you just have to walk away, and they'll talk to you as you walk away. But y'all, when we're with the Lord, it's hard to have relationship if we're the one talking all the time. We have to stop and listen to our friend. Because you know what he's going to give you as you stop and listen? He's going to give you revelation. Like, like, I don't know if you knew this, prophecy's a thing. That's what I almost preached on today. Um, tongues and prophecy. You guys believe on that here? Yeah, it's in the Bible. We believe the Bible. 
Um, do you realize if you just sit with the Lord and listen, he might reveal to you some stuff for the day? He, like, do you realize, men, the reason we gather up here in the morning and talk is to hear what the Lord is saying about the service for the day? It's not just so we can have like a mini small group session. Is the purpose of it, that was on Wes's heart, is to sit and listen and see where the Lord's going to direct us in the service for the day? How do you know unless you sit with the Lord before you show up to church? Listen to your friend tell you, hey, let me, let me give you a little heads up what I'm going to do today. Or, hey, when you go to work today, you're going to see so-and-so, and I want you to pray with them about this matter, this thing. Can the Lord speak that kind of stuff to you? Yeah. Yeah, he can. One morning I was sitting and the Lord said, there's going to be a guy in a yellow shirt show up at church today. I was like, no one wears yellow shirts. When's the last time I saw a man show up just in a bright yellow shirt? In comes Trent in a bright yellow shirt. And the Lord would give me a word for him. And Trent hadn't been here in years. And I gave him a word from the Lord. And it spoke directly to what he was walking through. I had no clue. That's what happens when you sit and listen to your friend. Our friend wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us. Close your eyes for just a moment. This morning, if you're a follower of Christ, your friend, he's trying to talk to you. This morning, if you're away from Christ, I'll tell you this, that friendship with the world puts you at odds with the creator of the universe. That's not his heart. His heart that is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let's take a moment. I want you to listen for your friend to speak. for your word.
John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. And just to bring us kind of back around to where we kind of started with this whole thing. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you. that You should go bear and fruit and that your fruit should abide. Hey, get this. You're chosen. And your fruit is going to abide. You're going to bear fruit and it's going to abide. Man, that feels good. Like there's some confidence in that. Like I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to bear fruit. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.